You are now listening to the flagship podcast of Halos in the Infield with Todd Fox and Fernando the Lone Star Halo. Hey, 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 welcome into a special episode of Halos in the Infield. It is your host, Todd Fox, with the other host of the show. Fernando, the Lone Star Halo. The Lone Star Halo coming in from Texas, and we're talking to Mr. Jeff Salantano. If I said that yes, right. Sir. Yes, sir, you did. Not cilantro. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And also Ricky Hill. And why are we talking to them? Well, their movie, The Hill, is premiering in just a few days here on August 25th. So with that being said, we're going to talk to uh, both gentlemen here and uh, we're going to have them introduce each other and uh, tell them what their roles or tell you guys what their roles are as far as the movie. And, uh, you know, we'll get into uh, how this came about because it's a great baseball movie. We just finished watching it and uh, we're going to get their perspective behind the scenes. So uh, you guys want to introduce yourselves? Yeah, I'm, I'm Jeff Salantano. I'm the director producer of The Hill and um many other things that i won't go into that i've been on this movie um <laughs> uh and Rick, this is ricky hill the legend the man himself um the whole story is about his life and as you can see ricky is here with us today you cannot kill ricky that's what i keep <laughs> telling people um, so you can't yeah. keep the man down you cannot yeah. keep the man down if you knew if you only knew about the six car wrecks he's been in recently oh. and the head on the, the the one where he went through the windshield on his way to see the to be on set with me he ran to he he ran over an exit ramp and they didn't have it marked he was exiting and there was about a 20 foot hole there that he took his car straight into and went right through the windshield Whoa. so he shot all bloody and cut up and i said rick go to a hospital he said i'm not going to miss this for the world and that's <laughs> that's who you're dealing with today and that's what the movie's about now, Ricky, <laughs> I know you're I know you want to bring I know he wanted to bring some drama to the uh, set, but that's a little too much drama. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> it, it was it was nothing. I just had a broken femur, three broken ribs, torn muscle in my neck. No big deal. <laughs> just another day in the office. Yeah, <laughs> for for this guy for sure. I always make the joke, and I'll say it again. I, I used to say, Rick. You know, this is the time for you to go out in the highway and get hit by a bus. Because then this would be a great story. We could talk about it on the radio. And I never met that though. <laughs> yeah. Did you get a little bit of buzz? You know. Yeah, just I would just uh, the bus would just get hurt. <laughs> there you go. You'd bounce right off of it. There you go. <laughs> so, Ricky, first off, you know, growing up, I wanted to, to just you know get your perspective just in the beginning of the movie and obviously about your life you know you had it hard you were impoverished and everything in that part of texas um did that build your character growing up because it seemed like it did in the movie it was a great part of the movie just you know just describing how you grew up and how you you know the life that you led very very um uh, christian type background you know and did that help build character knowing that you know the Bible scriptures and, and just the way that you uh, handled things that adversity that came your way. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it, uh, you know, the way I was raised, it was, uh, it was clear cut. It was one way. Uh, that was a uh, God's way or there was no other way. 
And uh, yeah, it, it was um, my father, my mother both, same way. And the way they led me was just straight and narrow way, and I, and I, I chose that way and loved it. You know, I loved that. I loved to be. Uh, uh, I even loved to be in church on Sunday, and and then after that, I'd be hitting rocks a little bit. Fifteen minutes later, that that part kind of reminded me of. I I don't know if you know of. Uh, well, obviously, uh, Vladimir Guerrero how he grew yes. up in his country, you know, he was playing stickball. So there was a lot of uh, similarities right there. When I saw that part, I was like, wow, okay. Or Ricky's getting it done like Vlad there. Um, I think Pujols as well. That's another yeah. guy who you said, you know, grew up in, in some tough situation. There was some poverty, um, but those are obviously in another country. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so when you guys got started here, like obviously, cause I just wanted to, ask him about his faith growing up, but how did you first hear about his story, Jeff? Um, my brother, uh, in a, in a quick scenario, what happened, um, my brother ran into him in a lobby of a hotel. Oh, eavesdropping on a phone call. Ricky had trying to find a And Ricky was very upset. And my brother said, sir, excuse me, but I found your director. And Ricky was like, who the heck are you? <laughs> and he said, I'm here having a meeting and I just overheard your conversation, but this was meant to be, here's my brother. And he handed him the phone Got on the phone. He's like, hello. He didn't even know what was going on. My brother's very committed when he's committed to something. And um, Ricky said, uh, who are you? And I explained who I was and I said, who are you? And then he, he laughed and, and said, your brother didn't tell you anything. He said, no, this is the first time I'm getting on this call. And then Ricky told me all about his story. And I was pretty moved. And then he sent me the script that night. I read it that night. And the next day I met Ricky. Uh, and when I read the script, um, it, it got inside my body like a like an alien. It just took me over. You know, like that movie Alien. It just got inside and I became Ricky's story. Um, and and I, um, I was obsessed with it from the day I ever read it because I, I cried about six, six, seven times reading it. And uh, it just got into my heart and soul, and it, it inspired me. And I thought, if it could inspire me, it could inspire everybody. So I got involved, and that was 17 years ago. And it took me 17, actually 20 years to this day, but 17 years till we got it shot and funded. Um, wow. And, um, yeah, and uh, it's it's been a long road. It's been a long road. But the, one of the most inspiring stories I've ever read, and I had this idea to get Dennis Quaid involved, and uh, I had him on our list for, you know, number one father, because I felt he was like a well-rounded man in every mm -hmm. capacity. He had the strength. He had the, 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 the uh, quirkiness of his character. He was also super warm and, and, and loving, like a big warm blanket. You know, that's kind of how I talk about Dennis. And so he had every quality I wanted. Plus, he's, he's like known for the rookie and these mm -hmm. kind of films and that. I just thought it was a perfect combo. And so... Um, it wasn't easy, but we got to Dennis through my casting director and his agent and sent him the script. He was in England at the time. He read it and he said, oh, my God, I want to do this. You know, it's one of the best roles I've ever had to play. And I can't even believe this is a true story. Is it a true story? And I said, yes, I have documentation. <laughs> I have tons of documentation like this high. So um, and Dennis got involved from that day. And then so that was six years ago. No, about seven years ago. 
and we were in Oklahoma getting ready to shoot and the money fell apart. Oh, I took our money to use for something else that he needed a real estate deal. And, um, we ended up being, you know, completely lost, but Dennis called me and saved me and said, I'm on this movie for life. When you get the money again, call me and I'll do it because it's one of the best stories I've ever read. And that's how the whole thing got made. Well, that's, you could film a short just on that, on how oh, yeah. it oh, yeah. came together. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I mean, like you're, you're right about Dennis Quaid. Uh, he's, he's one of these actors where he just, he could fall into a role and he, he could just smile right into the camera and you feel whatever emotion he's trying to portray. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was excellent as, um, as the father. I, I thought he was excellent and, and, you know, being that preacher from the South, like like his real father was i was like wow he he nailed it yeah he did nail it and um it's sad because dennis really wants to promote the movie and get out there and talk about it but with the sag strike <clears throat> we're minus actors correct so so they turn to these two guys you're looking at are not <laughs> as handsome and not as fun as dennis and uh colin but uh colin ford who plays ricky uh in the 17 year old version and we're doing all the press for it. So hopefully you guys won't get bored with us and nobody's ever going to talk to us again. <laughs> I'll walk up to people and say, hi, nice to meet you. And they go, I've, I've seen you on the, on, on all the podcasts and we're done with you. Yeah, no, hey, never that. But I will say we will take a rain check on, uh, you know, if either of them are available in the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Ouch. No, 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 no. no. I'm just having fun with you. Uh, Ricky, let me ask you this. So growing up in Texas, I mean, I live in Texas now. Obviously, Texas has kind of always been a football state. But, you know, there is pockets of true baseball fans in Texas. Where did your personal love of baseball come from? And do you feel like it made you closer uh, in your faith? Um, Well, naturally, Texas, of course. Um because I was born in Fort Worth and um, then we moved off when my dad became a minister, we moved off to I think seven different towns where he was preaching at seven different, we get kicked out of every church. So uh, we, uh, I think we moved off seven. Then we, then we moved back to Fort Worth. So basically all of my baseball really talents, started in Fort Worth mainly. And then um, as far as faith was concerned, you you know, you, you can never lose your faith, especially me. I'm growing up so close to my, with my father and I'm trying to mimic my father and in, in the ways that he, the way that he taught us. And uh, I'd be out there just preaching our own sermons just for my dad, I'd pre- be preaching them. And, uh, uh, then I'd be hitting back. I did both hit, hit a stick, hit with a rock, you know, and then, uh, practice with my dad. Now growing up too, with your brother and your sister and like, were, were pickup baseball games everywhere in those towns that you were at to yeah, where you can get it? Everywhere. Well, that's, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Cause they, they, you guys brought that out pretty good in the movie and like the, the whole, you know, the small town aspect and then just finding a flat field to play. I thought that was pretty cool. It remind, it kind of had that sandlot type of feel to it. Yeah. You know, you know that Ricky, um, it, it all started with him being poor and mm-hmm. had nothing to do in the middle of nowhere. 
So he, his brother and his sister and him would go out to a railroad track and they'd pick up those little gray rocks mm-hmm. and an old stick and he, Ricky, Ricky would start hitting it and his brother would pitch it to him. His brother was a baseball player. And he noticed Ricky had this amazing swing and he could hit that rock every time and he got better and better and better. He hit 2,000 rocks a day, he said. Wow. Because that's all he had to do. And like we get addicted to certain sports, Ricky got addicted to hitting a rock with a stick. And as time went on, he transitioned into baseball and his father was not having it because he's like, you got leg braces on your legs. You can't run. You know, I don't know how you think you're going to play baseball. So he was very adamant about not letting Ricky get bullied. He really cared about him, loved him to death, but he was not about to have him go out in the world and, you know, have this crazy dream that he had that was, he felt unreachable. So Ricky, he, uh, he behind his dad's back, he kept practicing and he, he finally knocked the leg braces off during the Sandlot game that you saw in the movie. Mm-hmm. And he never put him back on after that. And his legs got better to where he could run, but he still wasn't running well. He was running good, but he became an all-star player in high school, just like in the film. And then right before he's about to do that, there's a tragedy. And it was like one tragedy after the other, one roadblock after the other, one, one wall that he had to climb every time. And that's what really drew me to the story. And every time, all he'd do, just like a dog, you know, un- he had unconditional love, he would um, he would get up and, and, and smile and say, I'm going to keep going. And that's what drove him the way he did. And when I read the story, I thought there is no other story I've read with this kind of perseverance and, and character at the same time, you know? Yeah, because the, just the way you described that accident he had on the way to the set, I mean, like, his perseverance is to show up and be like, oh, it's nothing just tells you about his story and his life like hey man i've been through way worse this is just a little other blip on the screen you know um that's a test testament to the whole story in general which makes it really good um one thing i had to ask ricky about too because obviously a movie like forrest gump came out years ago but seeing him in a fictional role break out of those braces i mean (laughs) Watching this one, I'm like, well, I could see that that's made for movie, that's fictional, but to really do that, you know, is incredible. I mean, just the fact that your 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 dad's convinced, your family's convinced, you're never going to be that quite right type of kid to have the normal movement, and you know, you're getting teased or whatever, and man, you just pop out of it. I mean, right there, that's some crazy perseverance. Crazy is a good word. I think Ricky, either either he's really a, a, a guy that's driven or he's a little bit cuckoo. <laughs> sure. But he, Ricky, Ricky broke. He, listen, he's not, he's not disagreeing. <laughs> he knows. He knows. Um, in the movie, when he breaks the leg braces off, he's supposed to turn around and drag him back out of the field. He walked. He said he walked with one dragon, and the other one was still on. Oh, and he man. finally took the other one off because he wanted to get him off, because he couldn't walk home. He had a long walk home. And in the movie, we couldn't get. You know, it was impossible. The sun was going down, and we're, we we do didn't want to recreate that moment, but it was impossible. So we just said, you know, we'll just break the hinge, and that gets the image that image across. You know, but it was even much more intense. Yeah. I bet. What was that feeling, Ricky, when you finally got those braces off? Yeah, uh, I really want to say something, but I'm not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it felt great. Uh, great, of course, you know, when you've been wearing them all your life. Yeah, those were just one, one set of pairs. My dad made 
nearly each and every pair of my braces. Wow. He had to make them because um, we couldn't afford them. We didn't, we weren't able to get them. So he made, but he would find out how to make them and he would make them. And uh, he made, he, he would make our, our, all the ones I mainly wore, except two pair. I think I wore like seven or eight different types of pairs of braces, but, um, you know, trying different ones that would help to, that would work. Mm -hmm. That was the tough part was finding something that worked. A lot of, did you you name, did you name them? Uh, yeah, they weren't pretty. Um, (laughs) the little little boy, uh, Todd, the little boy in the movie that plays Uh, Ricky, he named his braces. Oh, he did. <laughs> he hated them more than anything you can imagine. And I would say, Jesse, go get into braces. And he'd say, okay. And then the wardrobe person said, you know what he calls them? I said, no. He calls the left one Satan and the right one Lucifer. <laughs> I'm not making that up. That's what he did. Well, not I, right. That couldn't have been comfortable with him moving like he was. He, made, he sold it pretty good. Oh, he wore them all the time. I mean, and they were the real ones. So... Like he said to me, these are the most uncomfortable things in my life. I said, well, now you got to get in the backseat of a car with them on because you got to get out of the car with them on. He's like, are you kidding me? He was a trooper, though. This kid never acted before. He was never in a movie. He had no experience at all. Wow. And he was phenomenal. So he he was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, he's about he's about 12 inches taller than he was two years ago. Oh like, wow! Like, so that's like, when you guys yeah. finished up. Uh huh. Okay, so and so drag me through the process. Obviously, you had some financial financial issues, but when did when were you able to sign on, Dennis, and then begin the actual filming? And because obviously the editing and stuff has been recently, correct? Yep. Well, it's a crazy, crazy story. We spent seventeen years trying to get this money, and out of nowhere, I meet a guy who knew a guy. <laughs> who said, I can get this movie funded in three weeks. Wow. I laugh. He's so taken by the story. He said, I said, I've heard this so many times. Don't do this to me again. And the next day I get a phone call from his partner, Michael Hollinsworth. Matthew Dwyer was the guy that called him. And Michael's a big attorney in Atlanta. And he said, I have a guy who's a client. I think will love this. He sent the script to him. Two days later, they called me. This all happened within a week. They called me. He said, Jeff, I have Ron Cundy on the phone. He wants to talk to you. But I want you to spend 15 minutes telling the story. Don't don't take a minute more. I told him the story. I got super emotional, started crying, telling him the story. He got emotional. He said, I got to call you back in 20 minutes. I, I didn't know if that was good or bad. He hung the phone up. He called me back 20 minutes later. He said, I was going to put a little money in for start, but I want to do the whole movie. Wow. I'm going to fund you. When do you need it? I said, as hmm. soon as you can get it. And he said, how about tomorrow? I can, it'll take me 10 minutes. Wow. That's yeah. so <laughs> the, the money came overnight into our account and it was in the account the next day. And then he called me and said, did you get the funds? I said, Ron, I don't even, I don't even know what to say. I was emotional just over that. Uh-huh. I'm an emotional guy anyway, but this was too much. And next thing I know, uh, he said to me, you don't, you're not going to have any problems because I'm going to let you make the movie you want. Nobody's going to get in your way and I'm not going to bother you with anything. It's all yours. Wow. So I brought my partner back to work with me, Warren, Warren Ostergaard. He produced it. 
and I produced it. I produced like the whole movie all the way up to production. And then Warren did the physical production and he stayed with me on this movie for years before that. But now we both were on it together and he got to live his dream too. I know in the movie industry, you know, these movies become, you know, your baby, if you will. Mm -hmm. So because of all the, you know, blood, sweat and tears that went into this, because it was such a a process, do you feel that just a little bit more in particular with this project? Oh, yeah. My gosh. I feel like it's the only movie I ever made. And I've been in the business 40 years. I've been making, I've been directing movies since 1995, but this movie's, it's like, you know, like they say, between a Volkswagen and a Ferrari. This is a Ferrari. I've made Volkswagens before. Um, I never had the script. A friend of mine said, Jeff just needs one one great script, and he'll it'll take him to where he always was meant to be. And I feel like this is it, because this movie's doing things to people I never expected. It's changing people's lives, they said. And I never, I never made a movie that I thought was going to do that. I just thought people would be super inspired and walk out of the movie theater high and smiling and their lives will feel better for a short time but it's it's taken a bigger effect than i ever expected i mean people are like mm-hmm. we had things happen to us you guys you wouldn't even believe like i mean out of body experience stuff like people see in the movie and the christian audience at joel olstein's church in Lake, lakewood church yeah that was ricky cried for 10 minutes after that screening and we had to talk on stage and he couldn't talk. He was wrecked because the audience was so powerful. I mean, I cried to an old arm movie and I wasn't even going to watch it. I tried to get up and walk out. When I heard the audience, I sat back down and I was literally sitting there going, what is happening? Like, this is insane. Like, so now bringing up, go, get back to your point. Um, the baby is about to be born and I'm terrified that it's going to come out all perfect. But everybody tells me to have the faith and don't be terrified. I have the faith now. I'm not terrified, but I am I am putting my baby, our baby out into the world, Ricky and I. We're pushing it out there and hopefully everybody will fall in love with it like we did. It's a pretty baby. It's not the ugly babies <laughs> that you see when they come out, you know. That, baby hit, that baby's hitting rocks. Hey, so, there you I, go. <laughs> Right. We'll see how far those rocks go, but I'll I'll tell you this right now. Uh, you know, judging by what we saw, you know, my girl, she she loved it, and she said that you know it's it's one of those movies that, um, you know, you it, it inspires you because much like how Ricky lived his life and had to overcome a lot of things, this movie it seems being produced and made and going through all the the entire process up until now went through its own adversity. And so now being released, it's going to be just an amazing time for you guys moving forward in these next few weeks to see the reception. Obviously, the screenings went good, but I think it's going to touch a lot of people, too, like you guys said, because it'll in a world that's going through a lot of turmoil, people face adversities or different things that struggle. Sometimes you need a good movie to refresh yourself or, uh, uh, you know, and this one has a lot of faith in it. So if you're faith bound or maybe you lost your way or something like that, it can help you come back to the Bible or maybe pray or something like that. I think it's good. And it's also has that baseball type underdog feel too. So not even if you're, if that's your main point, it's the, you know, we've lived through things as sports fans where maybe you didn't get to your dream, you know, or, and you missed it or whatever. It can all come together when you see a movie like this. 
Well, Todd, you know, that's what I set out to do. I didn't want to make a movie for the faith audience. I didn't want to make a movie for the sports audience. And I didn't want to make a movie for people who uh, didn't like those kind of movies. I wanted to make a movie for families. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't like faith and you're not a faith person and you're not, you don't, you don't, you're not a Christian, you'll love this movie because I can't get away from the story. Ricky's dad was a pastor and they travel from church to church, but the movie's about a little boy trying to find the love of his father and bring his family together. And that's what it's all about. You know, mm -hmm. I remember I, I read a script once where a father that deserted his kids came back into their lives and the 15 year old son hated his father and the 10 year old son loved him because he wanted a family again. Well, that was Ricky. Ricky's family was going through so much uh, pain and stress trying to live their lives and with the dad wanting to be a minister, having no money, $50 a month. Um, that, that, uh, you know, he just kept going through all that and didn't give up. And Ricky, all he wanted to do was bring that family together. And when he said to his dad, I can't do one without the other, you know, that's when it all started to take shape and everybody started to get together. The mother started to protect him and, you know, it was a big thing. I think every family could relate to this in every way. Oh, definitely. Because the family could have easily just split, you know, with everything being so rock bottom, but sticking together through everything, the community too. I mean, I, I thought that was a nice touch as well. Thanks. Thank you. So glad you liked it. Yeah, it was it was, it, it was a really good movie. Uh, Ricky, I had a question too. Um, the first time you were able to put on your high school cleats and baseball uniform, I mean, were you were you starting to realize a dream that if you got to this point, you can get to the next level? Like, how did you feel? Well, um, I put on cleats in the eighth grade. Oh, they they brought me up in the eighth grade to play okay. against twelfth graders. And that was the best thing that they could have done for me because I was ready for it. it means that you know I'm already facing guys that are throwing in the nineties and and uh, already that and, I, and I'm only thirteen and fourteen years old and so uh, I had to face talent that was four and five years old a lot that that were older than me. Mm -hmm. And so that's the best thing that really could have happened to me. And uh, I just, I was just tearing them, to, tearing them up too. And it was just a great feeling because <laughs> it, you know, when you, when you're facing someone five years older than yourself, it, it's, uh, and you're just tearing those pictures apart. It's just making, they're calling you, they're calling you robot boy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're just tearing those, just tearing, you know, just ripping their heads off. It just feel it felt good, and it was a smart move for me because when I got ready with it, when I didn't go to have to go to college, or I couldn't go to college, um, when I when I you know did had what I had happen to me, um, uh, and, and not being wanted anywhere, um, it, it was it, I was still prepared to face this big huge challenge of people that are five years older than me. And uh, then down the road, it came. It came at the right time, may I say? Absolutely. I mean, I, got, I just got used to it. I was, I was there, used to it. If you threw a pitch to me at a hundred miles an hour, I was already used to it. Wow. I was, I was already used to it. When I was seventeen, it was nothing for me to see guys that was throwing the ball a hundred. I faced several hundred mile an hour pitches. 
So fact, I, I even liked them. I even liked the hundred mile an hour pits really better because the you know the the faster it comes in, the faster it leaves. I was going to yeah. mention that that's a pretty prominent line in the movie. Absolutely. Well, I've, ended, yeah. I've ended a lot of pitchers' careers by hitting line drives right back at them. Oh. Yeah. Well, I know of I know of about eight. Oh, that, eight! Wow. Yeah, about eight. Yeah, I I I injured with Montreal our number the number one pick. That we had in '74, I ended his career with a line drive, right back and shoulder, and just broke his shoulder. He did all that humbly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did that humbly. I did. But as far as like a, um, I know uh, in the movie they were like, "Oh, I didn't know he had an arm either." They were just looking at you as a masher. I mean, because obviously seeing all those rocks by your brother and and growing up uh, hitting those, I mean, a baseball must have looked like a beach ball to you. Well, yeah. you know, really, honestly, uh, people didn't know that I had uh, I won the Golden Glove Award in, in Texas, also on third base. Oh, okay. No, no one knew that. No one that has never been really detectable. But uh, also, when I was in, I uh, had another little episode that happened when I was in Little League. At twelve, I struck out twenty-one straight batters in a row. Whoa! Oh, 21 in a row. What was your go-to pitch? Curve, I had a snapping curveball, babe. <laughs> All right. A 12 6 curveball? Yeah. You couldn't okay. catch it. Wow. Okay. You couldn't catch it. Uh, it was nasty. Ricky, Ricky, tell them we've never told anyone this story. We've been doing interviews for three weeks. I just came up, I just remember a story Ricky told me you guys will love. Okay. And I want Ricky to tell it. It's not, it's very short. It's probably yeah, it's three sentences. Rick. <laughs> Ricky was hitting these balls like at the end, one after the other. And Red Murph said to one of the bunch of the guys there, which is not in the movie, I don't know what the heck I'm going to do. This kid's going the distance. I never thought he would. I just did this as a favor because he really, he got to me when he begged me for a shot. And I, and I thought, well, Hector, how do I get out of this? I can't. So I brought him up. But now he's hitting them all. So I got to get him out of here. I can't do this. And um, the guy said, well, let me, what do he say? He said, I'll just throw a I'll spitball at him or something. He said, yeah, here's what he said. He said, I'll just I'll just throw him. He told this to the crowd, actually. What he did was at the big down, he goes, I'll just throw him my famous spitter. Red Murph said that. And the <laughs> uh this black boy, this black pitcher, I took him deep earlier. He said, Hey coach, he just hit it on the dry side. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious i th the other thing about that too since you brought him up red murph i mean was yeah. that like uh did you know who he was prior to that no i didn't i didn't know that he signed nolan ryan and all these guns that he had already signed i didn't know that he did uh i got to find out real fast after he stared me down when he was <laughs> he when he's six foot six and you know and uh he was on top of the mound and I went out there to the mound and told him that I was the best hitter there. And, and, uh, he had, uh, you know, he had basically called my bluff and said that, um, so you really think you're the best hitter here? And I said, no, sir, I know I am. That's pretty, I know that sounds cocky, but yeah, I, knew I, was, I, I know I was. Well, you definitely proved it. My, my thing is though, yeah. how did the other players, you know, per, I, I know how it's portrayed in the movie, but the other players that, 
were there that day, how did they think of you? Were you showing off that kind of like with your talent, obviously, but were you also speaking it as well? Were you like, hey, man, I'm the, I'm the best out here. I can handle this. I can go the distance. Were, were, they, um, were they mad or were they just like, well, okay, yeah, right. Well, believe it or not, honestly, um, and I've never even told Jeff this because he has never heard of this before. Um, they weren't liking it too much <laughs> because, you know, when you steal the show of uh, actually t- 10 innings, because we played 10 innings, oh, okay. I, stole, I stole the show of the whole of the whole game. And that means that they weren't getting looked at. Yeah. And therefore, they didn't get looked at. All these pitchers there, they didn't get looked at. And so, I mean, I didn't mean to, but, you know, I, I cared about what I did, not what they did. Yeah, you had your goal, just like right. they had their goal. Yeah, but, exactly. But right. you had they, a, had their, they had their chance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They they're out their if they're striking out big Ricky Hill, then it's okay. You know, they, they made their mark. But if they're giving up home runs, well, that's on them. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, you know, Ricky, um, he, he still was very naive when he did all this. I mean, he told me stories. Um, and, you know, there's a thing that we have in the behind the scenes that you'll see when we have the DVD come out. But Ricky's talking to the guys that were trying out for the movie for the baseball. Mm-hmm. We, were very, we were very strict about the baseball. We had to have it authentic. We had the best sports coordinator, Mark Ellis, um, help us. But Ricky told a story to all these kids. He said, when I got when I got signed, I looked at everybody and I said, uh, well, what, what do I do now? And they said, $40,000. He said, I don't have $40,000. <laughs> he went to his mom. He said, Mom, I don't have $40,000. How am I going to get on this team? How am I going to get signed? And they laughed, all the coaches and all the scouts. And he said, no, Ricky, we're, we're going to pay you $40,000. That was how small town and, and naive and just a boy right out of the field he was, which I think everybody can relate to, especially me. I came from that world, too, believe it or not. I came from South Jersey. My grandfather was a blueberry cranberry farmer. And every summer I would get off school and go, oh, summer off. And my grandfather would go, nope, <sighs> on to work in the cranberry bogs in Jersey. So I learned at a very young age how to how to work and make money and take care of myself. But um, when they you all know, I, actually, I signed at the right time too. my roommate was Andre Dawson. Oh, and, yeah. Okay. I mean, what more can you ask for? Because he and I would just just compete against each other you know, back and forth. I could hit it a lot further than him, but he could hit more line drives out of the park. And, and his would like, you know, it it would like go three or four feet over the wall, but I would hit the ball. I could probably hit it 50, 60 feet. Of course I weighed him 60 pounds too. Mm -hmm. Cause I weighed 239 pounds and he weighed 185. Yeah, he was more speed at that time, right? As a yeah. youngster. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he was. He really was. He yeah. he was. And we 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 were both roommates, great good friends, and still are today. Me, Ellis Valentine, and Warren Cromarty, we were all in the outfield back during those days. And uh everybody's still friends today. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, those teams, Montreal had some really good players. Well, I'll tell you what, Ellis Valentine had the best arm and still does today ever in the history of baseball. No one had a out, better outfield arm than this guy. 
Wow. I was there. I saw him throw it 108 miles an hour on the pitcher's mound. Jeez. Oof. 108. The problem is nobody could catch it. <laughs> you couldn't catch the pitch. It was so it was so amazingly fast that the catchers, they didn't even want to be in there catching it themselves. I sure wasn't going to do it. Yeah, you got to open your glove before he's even uh, going into the windup. Almost, I mean, you got you got you 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 just got to be an idiot to be a be back there at 108 mile an hour fastball, and there's no telling where it's going to go too. Especially if you're up to bat off that thing, I wasn't about to get off that, the bat off of it. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen 103 before. That's the fastest I'd seen at the plate, but not not 108. I mean, people don't realize that 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 five miles per hour is 15 feet more closer. Wow. Think about it. 15 feet closer. Red Murph let me know that, by the way. <laughs> A true legend right there. Yeah, by the way, I'm looking at that Angels cap on there. You wear an Angels cap. Yes, sir. And it's an Angels that in background there? Yeah, we yeah. do We do the Angels I, uh, podcast here. I just threw out the first pitch for the, at the Rangers-Angels game the other night. Yeah, we saw you. Yeah, yeah. We saw you there. yeah, yeah, yeah. Benji Gill is my uh, really good dear friend. Oh, that's well. See, you you gotta you gotta talk to him to to kind of elbow Artie Moreno to get him to manage because that's you know we're we're realists over here on the Angels podcast. Uh, we're not good with the current regime. We'd love to see Benji uh, manage because uh, Fernando is yeah. a big fan of Team Mexico and what Benji did with them. So, well, I tell you, I think that he deserves it. He deserves he does. the opportunity. Without a doubt, I'm yep. I'm coming out to Angel Stadium to throw out the first pitch there too. By the way, oh, what okay, day? yeah, it's uh yeah. it's coming within the next two weeks. Okay, yeah, let us know. We'd like to uh, see you in person and everything else like that. Maybe uh, take a picture. Yeah, I'd love to, love to. I'm coming out there for it. I look for, I look forward to it. Uh, I'm staying with Benji in Newport Beach and. Uh, um, We'll hang out with him. He he and I he and I are like really close. We're real close. Certainly worse places to stay than uh, than Huntington, <laughs> Huntington Beach. There, Newport, a Newport, Newport Beach. Yeah. So so Benji Benji's one of those guys that we love too because his his tenacious defense and how he just played the game the right way. And we've noticed as he's been a bench coach and, and assisting with the defense. The young guys on the Angels have just been soaking it up. You know, he's spitting a lot of knowledge, and you know, it's 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 good. You know that that kind of coach is what I think this organization needs. So, shout out to Benji Gill for sure. Okay, I'll I'll let him know that I, I was in your guys' show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one other thing I was going to ask you about, uh, you know, moving forward with this one, because what, what I know there's a cameo in there. I won't say who. But how'd you knock that cameo in? That, that was pretty good. I, right away, I'm like, oh, I know who that is. That, that, that person that played that cameo uh, just came up to me like he did Red Murphy. He said, hey, I'm playing that part. Oh, okay. And I said, uh, uh, what? <laughs> so he like, didn't ask. He's like, no, no, I'm doing no, it. No. Tell me that again. And he said, I'm playing that part. And Ricky, Ricky, and I said, I said, uh, okay, we'll we'll talk about it. He said, no talking. I'm playing that part. <laughs> and um, I went back to Warren. I said, Ricky's playing that part. And Warren's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, that, was, uh, that was cool he, out he, of the blue. 
Yeah, it was. And I'm so glad it happened because he's great in it. And uh, people love seeing him. I mean, people meet him after the movie. Like, oh, my God, you were in the movie, you know. (laughs) But I didn't announce it to anybody. It's not like a big, you know, you don't know it until you watch the film. So, yeah, yeah, I've got it. I've had a lot of a, secrets in the movie. You got to watch. You got to watch the movie to find them out. It's like a puzzle, you know. Mm-hmm. I've had I've had about seven hundred calls now. People wanting me in their movies and oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and let's not forget John Smoltz. Yeah, yeah. Smoltz Smoltz was calling the game. Yeah, yeah. That was that was that that was a pretty good cameo too, man. And, and uh, it's it's just a good movie. Uh, I I highly recommend it. Fernando does too, right, Fernando? Absolutely. Fernando, yeah. where are you in Texas? Uh, I'm in Fort Worth right now. I'm are in uh, Fort Worth close to Benbrook. Are you really? Yeah. Awesome. Been out here for about a year for work. So, Well, I'm going to be your neighbor here soon. I'm going to Toledo. Oh, okay. Right down, right down the street there, right off Benbrook Highway. Yeah, yeah. Literally just right there. Like We're like yeah. three minutes away from that highway. Uh, Jeff, what part of New Jersey uh, did you see, uh, were you born in? I used to fly out there every single uh, uh, month for work, and I would work all the way down from like Camden area all the way up to Hohokus and everything else in between. Oh, yeah, I, I'm more like on the Camden side near Philly. I grew up in South Jersey. I, if you take uh, Route 38 straight out of Camden, you'll hit my my house about 30 minutes away. And then I grew up in Long Beach Island, Beach Haven, New Jersey, and I also grew up in a little town called Chatsworth, which is very similar to the movie Deliverance. Um, <laughs> it, was a, it was a really scary little hillbilly town out in the woods, <laughs> Pine Barrens of New Jersey, out where the Sopranos used to drop bodies. Oh. And, uh, and uh, it's just hundreds of miles of dwarf pine trees. It's very scary out there. It's where the Jersey Devil legend comes from. And I grew up in that little town. Um, one of the best times of my life, just having a motorcycle with no license and riding on the highways and roads. There was no police and it was just a national forest. So what they called the people back there that were the real woods people, they called them pineys. <laughs> my, my company's called Piney Pictures. And if you know what a piney is, you'll know. And they, I've had many people say to me, piney pick, are you a piney? And I said, <laughs> I am proud to say I was at one time. <laughs> you're all you made it out of the pines i did i made it out alive i always tell people where are you from new jersey i made it out alive but i lived in california for 30 years after that and um actually longer about 40 years almost and i live in uh, florida now okay. Oh, okay yeah well uh again this was a uh any any final thoughts you guys want to give about the movie or rec- uh, recommendations to the fans that uh that want to go see a good movie yeah, I mean, this weekend, it opens on Friday, and um, I had a guy the other day, um, I think it was uh, a big newscaster, I can't remember exactly who it was, but he said, um, I just saw this film, and if you don't see this movie, you're really missing out, and I was really impressed that he got that and was not selling it. Matter of fact, he was never supposed to even talk about it, he was just showing a commercial, and he got on there and talked about it, he liked it so much, so yeah, it's inspiring, and you'll you'll really love it if you see it, but I did find out that this weekend is the most important weekend for us because small movies like this, the little the little truck that, that couldn't is us. And um, you really need to go to that theater and buy tickets in advance and fill those theaters this first week because that'll, that'll give us a long run. Once they see that, they'll go, oh, this movie is special. People really are getting, getting the word out. But 
we don't have any actors to help us. We're just doing it on our own. We have everything against us, but then, then again, we have everything for us. So, you know, it's important that people get tickets and they can get them at the Hill MOV.com, the Hill MOV.com or Fandango now has it out. And I think our poster pops up right away on Fandango. Yeah. One thing I was real surprised on real quick was that uh, I Googled the movie real quick to see the, what the showing times would be. And it popped up at the local ones here in LA, uh, the, the Regal, the AMC, things like that. Those, those uh, are, have multiple showing times so i was like all right that's pretty cool you know like i i thought it was a, a smaller type movie but at least in here they're they're pushing it on in all the bigger uh theaters so that's pretty cool. all across america almost in, i think it's 1500 screens now that's good and it's really? growing they keep adding screens because of the word of mouth is, is taken off and it's been playing on every jumbotron practically in almost every every game baseball game and it's at the little league world series oh yeah yeah you guys are awesome, man. I, I'm really glad you guys uh, had us on. Well, I appreciate the time and talking Absolutely. to uh, both the legends here, the producer and also the star right here, Ricky, with all his uh, – I'm telling you, this is a really good movie, guys and gals out there. Uh, very, very inspiring. Like uh, Jeff said, it's it's not – not all about faith, but it has that tie-in, and it's about perseverance as a human being and getting through a lot of uh, things that come your way and just keep pushing and pushing till you reach your goal. And it's a beautiful story. So uh, highly recommended here on, from Halos in the Infield. And, uh, got, gentlemen, we enjoy your time. Thank you, Todd. Thank you. Really, really enjoy you guys, both you guys. You got Thank it. Thank you. Appreciate it, brother.